God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you, and thank you so much for tuning in. In today's message, Sister Debbie reads from John chapter 12, and how the woman poured out everything that she had at the feet of Jesus. Now, we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, let's tune in to today's message. to when salvation came to our house. I am not the same person. If you're here tonight and you've never been born again, don't let a dead church and and a lying devil rip you off. Don't be one of those that walks on trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your flesh. If you keep falling down and falling down every other day, something's wrong. You don't have the right power source. And saints, if you know somebody like that, Pastor Jeremy said it last night, maybe we need to go back and preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you and I all need to be proficient in that because we're surrounded by saints that have never been born again. Nobody ever told them they were a sinner. Nobody ever told them the great price that our Christ paid when he descended down and put on earthly flesh as a garment hallelujah and he went into the womb of that little girl and he went through the same birth processes as you and I and he went through the temptations and he walked like you don't ever say somebody nobody understands you Jesus Christ understands you quit running to everybody else Jesus Christ understands you but he's the only one that loves you completely so why don't we just go straight to him We keep beating our head on the wall of flesh and people and nobody understands. Well, maybe they don't, but he does. Jesus Christ died for you and I. He paid it all. He poured it all out. And he went and he ascended and he gave gifts to man and he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And he's alive tonight. He's alive tonight. When you get on your knees or drive in your car, when you go to the Father, when you go to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, are you going to a religious idea or are you understanding that you're speaking to a living person? A living person who cares about what you say to him more than your mother or your spouse or your best friend. And better than that, he's the only one that can do anything about it, whatever it is. But above that, he desires and deserves and created us to worship him. To really worship him. Let's go to John chapter 12. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I put together about four messages today. And I just sense that the Lord wants to speak. So you pray for me because I'm going to do my best to follow him. Because everybody in here has a need, has a burden, has a desire toward God, has something that needs to be cleansed. Lord, just do it all, Father. Hallelujah. And, and tomorrow and tomorrow night and Sunday and Sunday night. Hallelujah. Thank you, and we thank you for the speakers, Lord, that have already spoken and and what you've given them and where it's brought us to. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, remember, Lazarus was just raised from the dead. Verse 3, then Mary, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. 
I have heard people describe this moment as extravagant worship. And you know, I, did, I, don't, think, I don't think that's correct. I don't think there's anything we could do in the realm of worship for our Lord Jesus Christ that we could label extravagant, extra, extreme. And it's just like us. We take this act of pouring herself out and humbling herself and worshiping him and pointing to him, to everybody in the room. And we look at it in our modern age and we, we look at her and we say, oh, wasn't she an extravagant worshiper? I want to be an extravagant worshiper. We turn it around to us all the time. The extravagance was what Jesus did, what he did for her, what he did for her brother, and what she understood he was going to do. Because we know that when he came to that tomb, he talked to Mary's sister about the resurrection, and and Martha understood the resurrection, right? So these were people that were looking for a greater day. They understood. They weren't in the dark. And as we look at this, I want you to notice the different attitudes and the different positions of people in this scene. Brother Jeremy said it last night. He said, if we're not for him, we're against him. If we're not going toward him, we're going away from him. We might think we're being uh, just, what's that word, idling? There's no such thing in the spirit. If you're not reaching toward him, you're going backwards. You just can't perceive it because the devil's lying, lying to you when you're doing that and lying to me when I do that. You're fine. You're fine. Just sing a song once in a while. You know, look, look at a scripture once. Turn on a TV preacher. You're fine. You're a Christian. He doesn't want us pursuing Christ. Pastor Jeremy said last night that there is a seeking generation And we need to be part of that seeking generation. Um, I'm going to get back to this, but something the Lord showed me in prayer a little while ago was the ask and seek and knock that he talked about. Ask is like the entry level, like you put a, a, a formal petition before the Lord and you ask, whether it's for the salvation of someone or a healing or I want to be closer to you, Lord, or open your word to me, you ask. But then the next level is seeking. And for me, seeking, I'm seeking his presence. I'm seeking him in, in, in uh, time, fellowship with him. Fellowship with him is not just praying, asking. Sometimes it's being silent. Sometimes it's just thanking him and thanking him and thanking him until all you can do is cry or laugh or dance. Being with him, seeking him, and then seeking in his word about that thing I'm desiring. And you find his mind and his heart. And we we refer to that as promises. But what we're really looking for is to understand him and how he views what we're desiring. And sometimes in that seeking, he totally readjusts your request and shows you you're not even asking right. And then when you get through the seeking, there's another level. In the parable of the man that goes and knocks at his neighbor's door because he had some people come in and he doesn't have any bread to feed them, he wasn't expecting them, and he goes and he knocks, and the guy yells, We're in bed, right? So he knows the guy's home. Well, if he didn't know the guy was home and had the bread in his house, he wouldn't knock, would he? He keeps knocking and knocking and knocking because he knows where it is. He knows it's in there. And that's where we get to after we've sought and we found the truth. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We get into that realm. It's like it has substance. It has shape. It has reality. And I'm going to get it. And you knock and you knock and you knock and you knock. And I always go back with that to that that woman that had the possessed daughter. 
and she was not of the bloodline of Christ, and he told her, I can't, I can't do anything for you. I'm here to deal with the children of Israel, with the bloodline. And she would not take no for an answer. She knocked. She knocked, and she talked, and she said, well, well, okay, maybe we're a dog, but the dogs get the crumbs that fall. Because she knew he could do it. She knew he had the answer. She knew he had the ability, and she loved that girl, and she was not leaving. You know, if he wanted to slap her, beat her, kill her, she was going to give it all. And that's how we need to be in prayer. Um, asking, seeking, knocking. So... Back to this, Mary took a pound of ointment. Let's go to verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Now, if you, if you look at this story in Matthew and Mark, you'll see that Simon is a Pharisee. He's a leper. And it seems to be saying Judas Iscariot is his son. Judas is, is the son of a Pharisee. Um, I'm not 100% on that, but if you'll study these stories, that's what it looks like. And uh, I was listening to Leonard Ravenhill, and he, he mentioned this story real briefly. And he said, if you go and you look in Matthew and Mark, you see that Simon is a leper and that they're at his house. And Leonard Ravenhill says, how is it that they are having supper at his house, being as he is a leper? Because that's against their law. You can't be eating with people according to the law. You, you have to be out in a leper, leper colony or whatever they called them at the time. So his, his thought is that Jesus had healed him. But he still went by Simon the leper because that's how everybody had known him. And that's why he's having this supper in his house. If that's true, and you look at his attitude versus Mary, isn't that something if he was actually healed of leprosy, because you look in the other Gospels and you see him in, a, in, a, in another story, it seems to be in another time, and you see him saying, well, if Jesus was a man of God, he'd know what kind of, what kind of woman this was. You know, we always get it backwards. Well, if Simon was a man of God, he'd know that the Son of God was sitting at the table. Right? That, that's like the story of... a. Um, the Good Samaritan, and, and the religious say, well, who is my brother? And the Lord doesn't tell him who is my brother. He says, here's a man who's a Samaritan who's being a brother. So we get our perspective real backwards a lot of times. And so here's Mary. She's pouring it all out. She is, she is pouring out her costly, costly, most precious thing on the feet of Jesus, and then taking her hair and wiping the dirt from the hair from his feet with her hair I know we're all familiar with this story but can you imagine doing that for anybody I mean we'd grab anything but our hair you know I'll use my clothes before I'm going to use my hair it's it's just really 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 beautiful she was in a real place of worship and she's the only one she's the only one in the room that's in an attitude of worship. And you know, we have so many excuses about why we can't worship the Lord. Why we can't be worshipful. And we're dependent on what's coming from the outside, but real worship comes from in here. As my dad played that song, I, I know, and as our Brother Joe did, there's been a change in our house. We, we go back to what Jesus did for me, right? He took my house, he took my heart from total blackness to the light of day. And in Christ, the darkest day, as they say it's true, is brighter than, than the brightest day in the darkness of the world. If it, if it wasn't, I'd go back. You'd go back. Some people go back because they've never experienced that bright light of Christ. And we need to recognize that and pray for them. I mean, there are those, Demas has forsaken me, loving this present world, but there's many, many that have just never known. And they've never gotten down and let him root everything out of the heart. There's some of us here tonight, you've never let God get down and get certain hurts and certain attitudes out. We cover them up. 
we run to and fro, even in church, even in church activities, anything but being quiet and letting God get at that because it hurts. And a lot of us have infection in us, and it poisons everything we do. And you know, the world can see it, and we can't see it. We get confused because so often there's a mixture. And the word says there shouldn't be. There should be, there should be good water, not, not sweet water and foul water. But so many of us are in a condition where there's both. And if you've got something in you like that and you know it, I just counsel you to, to pour yourself out at his feet. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He knows it's there. We're so funny. We try to hide things from him. Sometimes we hide it just because we don't want to let it go. And it's like, I know you know it's there. I I know it's here. But every time he brings it up, you don't want to talk about it. You go somewhere else. And what you don't know is that that's going to hurt you and maybe destroy you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You can't hang on to any of it. And then we compare ourselves to each other, right? Yeah, I've got this thing, and I know the Lord's kind of after it, but it's really hard. But look at him. Like Jesus, like Jesus told Peter, what has that got to do with you? I'm trying to, to have a relationship with you and make you what you're supposed to be. So, side by side, verse 4, Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? I love John. And then John tells us, because he wrote this after the fact, this, is, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. And so John tells us what his heart is. And yet he, he's there at this scene, and he's seeing this woman worship in such a beautiful way, and all he has is disdain, and greed, and envy. And then verse uh, 6, or verse 7, excuse me, then said Jesus, praise God, let her alone against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but but me ye have not always. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus defended her. Jesus will ask you, if you're really walking with the Lord, he's going to ask you to do humiliating things. He will. He's going to ask you to do selfless things. He's going to ask you to give away your best driver. And you want to obey him. And if it's like, oh, man, that's going to hurt, then you really want to obey him because he's really trying to set you free and bless you. Anytime we go, ah, no, I don't think so, uh-uh, we're bound. Whatever that thing is, it could be emotion, it can be a thing, it can be a relationship, it could be anything. And you've all felt it. I've felt it. He just wants to set you free. It's holding you back. It's obscuring your vision. It's in the way of what he's trying to do in your life. Verse 8. Verse 9, excuse me. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. So there's people here that are curious about Jesus, but really, a guy was raised from the dead. I got to see that. That's incredible. Um, I want you to notice the different hearts. Mary wasn't there for dinner. Mary wasn't there to be liked by the disciples. Mary wasn't there to take something from Jesus, but to give something to him. Judas is there. He's a mess. With the Satan hasn't entered into him yet. This is a person. And he's just full of greed and blind and dark 
And what's the first thing he does? Now, this is, this is a man who was anointed by Jesus and went out with the disciples, one of the 12, and uh, preached the gospel, cast out devils, and yet his heart is black. So in the church house, you're going to have people that are going to oppose you. Some because their hearts are black, some because they're innocent, some because God revealed it to you and not to them. This is a very personal walk, and you can't expect everybody to understand you and applaud you and pat you on the back. But when you get so lost in your relationship with Jesus, like this lady did, none of that matters. She was free. She was free. She was the only one in that room that knew how to treat Jesus. She was the only one in that room that was moved by the Holy Ghost to anoint him for his crucifixion and burial. God's going to ask you to do things that don't make any sense. Because he knows what's around the corner and you don't. She didn't know. She was following her heart that was given to God. If we don't get the stuff out of our heart, let him take it out. Getting it out of our heart is usually just a yes, okay. I humble myself under your mighty hand. Yes, Lord, fix me. Yes, Lord, take it. If we don't do that, we're not going to be able to hear him and sense his guidance. Our heart will be so divided. The love of God is shed abroad by your heart, uh, in your heart by the Holy Ghost. That's how we're supposed to be. Full and overflowing. And this woman wasn't doing this to compete with the men or offend anybody. She was doing this in absolute sold out love to Christ. When you get to the point where you do what he tells you to do and, and, and it's in such love for him, whatever it is that he tells you to do. I am not, what is the word? I am, it's not natural for me to be up here speaking. I'm not up here because I like to speak or I think I'm a good speaker because neither one is, is true. I'm up here because I, I, I believe he called me and people ask me to, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. If, if, if it was up to me, I would have a whole other plan for how God should use me in life. How I perceive myself, what, what I think. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> Moses too. Jeremiah too. Isaiah too. <laughs> Not that I'm one of them, but my point, my point is that even great men of God. So it's getting to that place of yes. Yes, I, I remember I'm seeing Helen and, and, the, and the team there, and I'm remembering Minor Higgins. Um, that's where I met Anna, was going to Minor Higgins Church, and he had an aunt in his home that he was not willing to put into a home, and she had to be uh, spoon-fed and turned so she wouldn't get bed sores, and she had bed sores, and they had to be treated. And I was newly saved, completely spoiled, self-centered young lady who had parents that did everything for me, and everything was gross. And the Lord told me to help my pastor and to go take care of that lady. I'd never been around elderly people. I mean, honestly, I'd spent the last seven years of my life mostly looking in the mirror and partying. (laughs) Complete waste. Um, Looking at clothes, trying to be clever, whatever. And... The Lord tells me to take care of, well, Lord, I don't know how. I don't, I'm not a nurse. I don't know about, the, just do it. And I was completely uh, given over to the Lord in the sense of my, my uh, yes, Lord. I mean, I had no idea of all the things that were in my heart he was going to have to get out. And so I went to do that, and I'll never forget it. They took me in, and I met her, and I was horrified. And the first time they left me there, and uh, I was just praying, and she had these big gaping sores that I had to fix. And, you know, the grace of God just came in. The grace of God. I was fine. didn't bother me a bit. And it changed me. 
And everything he's ever asked me to do has mostly been things I wouldn't want to do. And they changed me. And his grace comes. He loves to ask you to things, do things you can't do. Because then his grace comes. That, that's his grace. It's his grace to lead us out of sin. It's his grace to empower us to live like Christ. Grace never came to leave you in sin. That's not grace. That's a lie. His grace does not leave you in sin. What kind of grace would that be? If you have a child sitting in a mud hole, are you, you know, you're going to let, let them roll around and just, just stay there forever? That's grace. Are you going to take them out and clean them and teach them how to stay out in the mud hole? And this is the thing. We fall back in, but as we're going toward him, the grace is always flowing. But if we go away from him, that grace stops. There's no grace for going away from Christ. There is a certain grace to those that don't know and that are away from Christ, and we pray for them. But those of us who know, if you're going to purposely go away from him, you're not going to be very happy with the results. And, and, and if you're going to purposely go away from him, according to this word, you're really risking things. Um, Paul said, let's go further if the Lord permit, because there's a certain place where you can't repent because you're crucifying the Lord afresh because you knew better. So we, we need to be serious. We need to be serious about our relationship. I mean, look at Judas. He's living with, walking with, listening to Christ. So... And then we've got these people that are just coming to be looky-loos. And then verse 10, And the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away from them and believed on Jesus. Their whole capacity in life was supposed to be to lead God's people to God. But they had taken God's people for themselves and therefore hated God. They thought they were doing God a favor, as we know, but they were blind to the fact that it was God himself that they were against, that they were persecuting and seeking to kill. These are men that could quote the scriptures back and forth. Is that not frightening? That you can know the word like that and want to kill God? So, so we can't have just scripture knowledge, nor can we have just emotional relationship with God. We've got to have both. Those nowadays that are into the emotional thing, I mean, their latest thing is spirit travel. Um, they just, they, they, they introduce the thing of go lay on people's graves and soak up their anointing. And just insanity. Insanity, just wanting to feel God. And we, we talked about this yesterday, Romans 7 and 8. Paul showed us that the old man needs to be crucified. We can only walk in the spirit in the spirit, in the spirit man, in the new man, in the born again man. So if our motivations, like Judas, are for ourselves, and we're approaching God in the old man that lives just for himself. And if we're, the, if we're of a nature that we're approaching him for spiritual experiences, and we're in the flesh, in the flesh it's impossible to please God. The carnal man cannot receive the things of God. If we're in the carnal man pursuing spiritual things, we may get a spirit, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not entertain the flesh. And on the other hand, you know, sometimes people have a tendency to see all that weirdness and that we don't need any manifestations of the Holy Spirit and they become so dry and they're so bent on their idea that they start ripping out and crossing out and ignoring pages of the Bible and, and they're missing the infilling of God Almighty. That's what he cleansed us for. He wants to live and breathe and walk and move in us and through us. We're living so beneath what Christ purchased for us. 
We get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and we speak in tongues and we have an experience and, and then we ignore him for years and years and years, day after day after day. Do you get up and realize the Holy Ghost is in you and say, what do you want me to do this day? How do you want me to walk this day? Should I go there? Should I not go there? That's not crazy. That's knowing he's in you. That's knowing he knows everything. Have you ever asked him, I'm going to go do this, Lord, but is that your will? Or, or you're on your way somewhere and he says, you know what? Go over here. And it makes zero sense. And you obey him and find there was immense purpose in that. And you would have never known it. But we've got to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We've got to stay full to overflowing of the Holy Ghost. That's what we were purchased for. That's what we are created for. I feel like I repeat myself so much. But Peter said I'd put you in remembrance again in the same, in the same letter. He said that more than once. I said it here a chapter ago. Now I'm saying it again. <clears throat> until, until, you know, one thing I love about Brother Daryl is he writes everything down. He, I mean, you guys, you guys must be like, your, his notebooks must be like pushing you out of your house. <laughs> but he wants to get it. He wants to get it. Last night, a word came forth, an utterance. Did you write it down? Did you, did you make an attempt to meditate on it and remember it? We need to do that. And, and what I'm saying is that if God Almighty, by the Holy Ghost, would move through one of us to speak a special message to us, and then we're like, thank you very much, and move along, you, you know, because we get accustomed to these types of things. But if we don't get serious and really begin to meditate on, chew on, ingest what the Lord is giving us, we're not going to grow. And that goes back to you can't be idle because the word says, to him that has, more shall be given. But to him that has not, shall even what he has be taken away. We're going forward or we're going backwards. Okay, um... Verse, let's, let's go on to verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Okay, so these people are excited. They're seeing miracles, and they're saying this is the Messiah. But... When we get over to chapter 18, and Jesus is taken by the Jews and captured, we see some phenomenal things happen. Um, so here we had the woman who's giving everything to worship God. We have Judas, who's, who's black in his heart, and she's, she's pouring out on Jesus. And I, I actually have to take you to another book really quick to see this. I think it's Matthew 26. So she's spending her most valuable thing on Jesus. Judas is offended by it. When Jesus is around, and when we're at a time of God really moving, such as his birth or his death or his second coming, great division happens. Pastor Jeremy read it last night. The wicked are going are gonna to get wickeder. The dark's going to get darker. The light's going to get lighter. We're going to be pulled one way or the other. And we're in that hour. Um, in Matthew 26, verse 14, Then one of the twelve called Jesus Iscariot went unto the chief priest. This is right after this. He's irritated. He didn't get that money. Uh, has has no sensitivity to this woman's worship, or the fact that he's sitting there with a man raised from the dead. How many days dead? I mean, he saw him take he saw him take off the bandages and everything. What kind of heart is that? Or the Pharisees? 
They didn't think he wasn't raised from the dead. All they thought was he was raised from the dead. Let's kill him and destroy this miracle. What kind of a heart is that? The the capacity for a human being to want power and control. In this present world, trading their eternal souls for a little bit of power, a little bit of control, some pretty robes and, you know, greetings in the marketplace, whatever. Um, Verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests. He leaves Jesus. He goes to the chief priests and said to them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. So this woman is given her most precious to Jesus, pouring it on his feet, while, Jesus, while Judas is selling Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then, and then we had the looky-loos, and then we, and then we have the chief uh, priests wanting to kill not just Jesus, but Lazarus too. And then we have the people who are cheering him and cheering him. But let's go over to uh, John 18. John 18. And you you all know this. Uh, Actually, John 19, we'll just start with them. John 19, verse 5. Then when Jesus came forth uh, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests thereof and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him for yourself, for I don't find any fault with him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. There's a, there's a place where it's not just the, the chief priests and the officers, but the people begin to yell, Crucify him. As you know, the ones that were just saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, what we need to understand is that they weren't just fickle. This is spiritual. Remember when Jesus said, if the house is swept clean and empty, that that the devil will go get seven stronger friends and come back to take over? It's not about being fickle. It's about being empty. It's about being uncommitted to God Almighty. And what I'm trying to paint a picture of here tonight is that What Pastor Jeremy said last night, we reach for him, we search for him, we cry for him, we long for him, we do the diligence to find him out of necessity, not necessity of stuff, necessity of getting filled with him, being changed, born again, and then kept by the Holy Ghost, because Temptation is coming to all of us. It comes to all of our lives, but we're about to enter into an hour that we've been selected for, placed in this earth at this time for, and God is trying to tell us, Peter, you need to, you need to pray. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Right now, we feel strong, but what would it take for us to be weak And I'm not going to read through all this. I'm just going to talk about it. We see Peter, and what is Peter moved by? First, he's in the garden, and he cuts off the guy's ear because he's moved by religious emotion, by by, uh, relational emotion over Jesus. He's he's moved by his emotions. Then we see him uh, denying Christ, moved by self-preservation. And yet, Jesus said, your spirit is willing. I I noted Romans 7 and Romans 8. If we do not learn to walk in the spirit and we keep letting our carnal man live and govern us by our emotions and by its its desire to exist and to rule over us, we're going to find ourselves surprised like Peter at what we're capable of. One of my daughters had the hardest time as she, as she was growing up and coming into her own walk with Christ because she would be like, I'm such a sinner. I, just, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I acted that way. I can't believe. And, and I, I would laugh at her after a while because I'm like, believe it, you know. 
<laughs> That's who we are outside of Christ. And as I often say it, Debbie Martinez doesn't get better. Debbie Martinez hopefully gets deader. And the new life of Christ rules over me. And the new creature that he created me to be. But that old man wants to live, and it is tricky. It'll go to church and put on a dress and sing songs and lead and, and, and do all of the chores and, and anything. Just let me live. I'll live in the church. And we can't discern it if we don't get really, really good with this. I mean, we're good with a lot of other things, aren't we? And, and, and one thing about Americans, boy, I, I'm still looking for the scripture that says, and thou shalt be entertained. Um, and I haven't found it. And we, people even preach it. Oh, God understands. You, you, you need 30, 35 hours of entertainment every week. I'm not sure we need any. But I tell you what, the more he becomes my, not my entertainment, but my passion and my life and my obsession, and the more I get in here, the more I see, the more my eyes are open, the more I see and keep seeing and keep seeing level after level after level, and nothing can hold a candle to this. Nothing can hold a candle to him. What is the trash the weights and sins we shared this last week. Not just sins, but weights. Weights and sins that so easily beset us. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Why do we hold on? But this is okay. God's okay with it, you know. And it's like, well, he hasn't struck me dead. Well, be careful. Because uh, I think it was Solomon that said that because judgment isn't swift, men go on in their sin. Maybe it is sin. And he's having mercy and compassion, but the longer you wait to, to get in his word and let the light shine on your life and obey him, the harder your heart gets. That's the danger. That's the danger. A hard heart, blinded spiritual eyes. Judas, these, these, these religious leaders that want to kill God while quoting scripture. Dear God, help us. And you see these Roman soldiers in uh, 19.1. Then Pilate took, therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. And we know in another place it says they ripped out his, his beard. And Why? They weren't Jews. They didn't care if, if he, you know, he didn't blaspheme, but they said he blasphemed. They were taken by a spirit, a demonic spirit to attack and hurt Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, that spirit, you see it, you see it in Revelation uh, 13, that enemy comes up in that, in that great beast to persecute the church. The signs are, it's more than signs, it's going on all over the world, and it's happening in our country. The laws are about to be established, some already have been, that are going to put us in a position, like our brothers and sisters in China and India, that if we want to follow this word, we might go to jail. That if we want to teach our kids the right way, unless God intervenes, we might have them taken from us. If we're walking in the flesh, you think we're going to... No, your flesh isn't better than Peter's and neither is mine. We're all made of the same stuff. We've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. It, it's not optional. And I've said this over and over, there's not classes of Christian. I just want to be a C-class Christian. I like to go to church a couple times and flip through my Bible when I need to see something and abstain from the big sins and make it into heaven. There's no such thing. That, that option's not in here, and neither is B. Now, we might start out at Z and work our way to A, but A is the goal. I reach forth 
for the prize of the high calling. We're not supposed to be reaching for a low calling. There's not one. There's not one. I was just sharing another thing Brother Raven Hill said. He cracks me up. He was, he was preaching in a, like a grace church. You know, it's like, a, Jesus paid it all. We just love the world. Love not the world, right? Neither the things that are in the world. For the love of the, it's, it's, somebody quote that for me. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. And so we've got world churches, love the world and Jesus churches. Anyhow, so he was preaching, and he said he was talking about not sinless perfection, but the fact that we're empowered by the Holy Ghost, and we are not servants sold under sin anymore. We are now bought to serve the living God and to submit our our body a living sacrifice And he said, Jesus never told the woman taken in adultery, go and sin less. (laughs) Go and sin no more. That was before he died on the cross. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, um, wrap this up here. This is nothing of what I, what I intended really, um, When you, when you read, when you read the account of the cross and everything that led up to, to it, I want you to notice all the personalities and how they are either taken over by the Holy Ghost or they're taken over like Peter was by the carnal man or they are taken over by the enemy from the Roman soldiers beating him and persecuting him. It was Satan moving through them to um, make fun of him and to, and to gamble for his clothes at the foot of the cross. It was Satan moving through those, those uh, religious men standing around the cross saying, get yourself down. That was all Satan. Even when we look at Peter, when, when Jesus was already dealing with the heaviness that he would have to go through this, and Peter, and Peter said, no, 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 that's not God, don't do that. And Jesus turned to him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And, and Peter was his own. And so I'm just saying to us tonight, we are his own in this house, but he is calling us to more. Uh, it was said last night. I require a lot because I gave a lot. That's an understatement. But I'm going to require more. He's going to require more for our benefit. Because anything he's requiring from us, you don't want it. It's death. It's destruction. It's weights and sins that are going to be in our way. We've got to let him purify us and prepare us. But then, as it says in Isaiah... His glory is going to come on us. When you look at the church in, in Acts and you see the glory, and you look around at the, at the landscape of the church today, where is the glory? Where's the glory? There's ritual. There's um, the popular churches are painted black and, and smoke bombs and, and devil guitars. That's what I call them. That's what it sounds like to me. I think if, if the Holy Ghost was anywhere around, he'd run. Um, and all of this garbage, and it's got nothing to do with Christ. It's what people want. And most of the ones leading the modern church are pastors' kids who were never born again, whose parents were so scared to death that they were going to leave the church that they let them bring the world they loved into the church. And now that's what we've got. And they're not preaching the gospel because they love the world, they love worldly people, and they don't want to offend them. Just come, join, stay like you are. Jesus loves you. He wants to give you the world. That's not Jesus. And we're in a lot of trouble, and the Lord wants his glory to come forth, and he is searching. His eye is going to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose hearts are turned perfect toward him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. I was reading about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, and I said, gee, Lord, we got a lot of those today. None of them are dropping dead. And, and it was like the Holy Ghost said, well, where's Peter? 
Where's the holy men of God and the holy people of God that God would be protecting from Ananias and Sapphira? They're all giving money to Ananias and Sapphira. But he's looking. He's searching. He will never be without a man. He'll never be without a voice. He'll never be without a people. And he is calling. And he's calling everybody in this room. And he's been calling us. And let's keep pursuing and saying yes. And let him cleanse us and fill us and change us until somebody can see Jesus in us. Oh, my goodness. The people out there are, are, are so hungry for Jesus and they can't find him. Were you ever lost and went into a church and went, Jesus isn't here? Where is he? I was. I went into the church and it was dead and cold and ritual and and I couldn't tell you to this day what the man talked about. We need to be ready to reach the lost with the love and power of Jesus Christ. That's, That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. I thank you for this precious people that's in front of me tonight, Lord. We want to be prepared. We want to be dealt with. We want to be corrected. We want to be cleansed. We want to go forward, Lord God, like that woman who poured her precious gift on your feet, Lord. Make us like that, that it's not about us anymore. It's about you, Jesus. Let us pour out our life upon you. Let us not be coming to you like like all the other people there, Lord. They all had other motives except her. Lord God, take our motives. Take our motives, Lord. Take our concerns. Take our fears. Take our obsessions, Lord. Cleanse us from, set us free, God. Let us begin to soar in the spirit and know what it is to be a born-again, blood-bought people of God. Have your way in everyone in this house, Lord, especially me, Father God. Have your way, Lord God, in the morning and in the evening and Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And, Lord, everything that we receive, Father, let us take it like it's treasure. Let us record it. Let us remember it. Let us meditate on it. Let us allow it to change us, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us not to take you, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, your word, each other, these services for granted. Wake us up, Lord God. Wake us up. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for your kindness, your patience, your gentleness. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we'd like to thank you so much for tuning into today's message. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest message. And if you would like more information about our ministry or would like to give, you can visit us at www.worldharvestministries.net. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. And as we say here at World Harvest Ministries, keep looking up. God bless.